It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. I might be on the air. Lindsay, am I on the air? Yes, you are, sir. I am on the air. Well, that's good to know. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Great to be with you from Tucson Arena on a Wednesday afternoon. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Lindsey Brown is on the other side of the glass as we talk Silver Knights hockey. False start broadcaster number zero. Uh, good to be with you. And we've got a jam-packed show, so all the more reason why I shouldn't start at 45 seconds late. My apologies, folks. Don't worry. In the podcast version, we're going to trim this down. No one's ever going to know what happened live. But uh, for the Henderson Silver Knights, what a difference the week makes. If you look back to last Tuesday, they were on the wrong side of a lopsided scoreboard, but... Seven days later, last night, the Silver Knights was one of their more prolific offensive nights in franchise history in a 7-1 victory over the Tucson Roadrunners. So we're going to break down the fun that was last night. For the Silver Knights, they've strung together a few good games now, back-to-back wins for the first time this season. The first two were uh, largely on the weight of the uh, the goaltending, the, the first two strong outings of this road trip, and last night, an offensive explosion. So are things starting to turn in the proper direction for the HSK? We're going to need more of a sample size to know that for sure. But certainly overnight's looking more comfortable, generating more offensively, getting more finish over the last couple of nights, and the goaltending up to snuff as well. As we've seen three outings in a row by all three goaltenders in this now extended HSK goaltending battery, Michael Hutchinson, Yuri Patera, and then last night, Laurent Brassois getting his first win with the Silver Knights. Uh, It it was a really strong, well-rounded outing for the Henderson Silver Knights. So we're going to talk all about that. In our next segment, we're going to hear from U.S. women's hockey Olympian Megan Bozak, who is going to discuss the upcoming uh, festivities on December 15th at the Dollar Loan Center when the rivalry series will arrive in Henderson, the U.S and Canadian women's national teams will go head-to-head. Again, we say rivalry series. It is a series. That'll be the fourth of five uh, friendlies, if you will, between these two teams as uh, they are touring to, to show off the women's game and the well, the, the incredible uh, head-to-head. Uh, I mean, really, it, it's uh, players that respect each other and play against each other a lot, but it, it's a, a matchup that means a lot to everyone involved. U.S. and Canadians women's team, who basically have been the two Goliaths in women's hockey forever, but certainly for the last 30 years, dating back to when uh, Olympic hockey first, uh, women's hockey first appeared in the Olympics. And uh, it's basically every world championship, every Olympics, you know it's going to be the U.S. and Canada going head-to-head. The Canadians were the winners of the uh, gold medal in the most recent world championships and Olympics. And uh, right now the U.S. uh, looking for some in-season revenge before the next international competition comes around. So December 15th, the U.S. and Canadian women's team will meet at the Dollar Loan Center. The first game of this rivalry series was last night in Kelowna. And the U.S. with a comfortable 9-4-3 shootout victory. We'll discuss that in some more detail as well. But Megan Bozek will be coming to the Vegas Valley this weekend to hang out with us and with the VGK a little bit uh, and, and promote this game. It'll be a lot of excitement, a lot of fun, and we're uh, just getting started as we look a couple of weeks ahead. So in our next segment, we'll hear from Megan Bozik. We had our chat earlier today, and uh, it was a good one. You're going to want to stick around for that. So for the, the Silver Knights, a lot to be uh, excited about, and uh, on top of it all, too, we can analyze it and break it down, and we will. 
but really just to enjoy it. I mean, for the Silver Knights, it's been so much offensive aggravation over the course of the the start of the season. Uh, just to have a night where they're able to break out and 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 really go to town on goaltender Ivan Prosvitov, who came into this game for Tucson last night, second in the league with uh, a goals against average of a buck eighty and a save percentage of nine forty five, which again was outpacing his career numbers. But nonetheless, when you're having a great season, having a great season, Ivan Prosvitov was having a great start to the season. Uh, and the Silver Knights kind of torched that uh, in short order. A game that was 2-1 Silver Knights at the start of the third period. Not only did the Silver Knights score seven goals, which matches an all-time high for the HSK. It was the third time they've ever done that. And surprisingly, all three of those seven-goal games all on the road in Bakersfield, in San Jose, and now in Tucson. Uh, but on top of that, they had five goals in the third period. This was a close hockey game when things uh, w- when the game shifted into the third period. And then the first couple of minutes of the third period, the Silver Knights gave themselves some breathing room and then poured it on. The five goals in the third period were the most scored in a single period by the Silver Knights in franchise history. So last night was uh, was very, very satisfying for players and fans alike. And for that matter, why hear me prattle about it? Why not relive it? Let's take you back through what was an offensive overload for the HSK. Miramanov dangling through center, splits the defense, he's in and he scores! Daniil Miramanov carried it up the ice and no one ever came to him. And he looked up, he saw that the seas had parted, he said thank you very much, and he beats Prosvitov to tie the game at one. Now right point, Chaco walks in, he sends one to the front, that was blocked in front, rebound, score! Brendan Brisson. Able to move it to Smith on the right wing half wall. Now cracked a left circle shot to save by Brassois. He was moving left to right. That shot against the grain. He palmed it away with the glove. But the puck came in front. There's a shot. Manon in scores. Quick puck movement. Quinney got out in front. And with Prosutov looking over the wrong shoulder, Zachary Manon had a wide open net. The Silver Knights have a 3-1 lead. Who picks it up again? Plays in front. Score! Connor Ford in the low slot on the feed from behind that by Fu. Puts it past Prosutov. It's a 4-1 Henderson lead. 45 seconds gone on this Henderson power play. Left circle, Quinney. Rich shot, and he scores! Here's a giveaway between the circles. Brisson drops it back, and Rombierg scores! It's 6-1 Silver Knights. Conrad's shot was blocked, came to the side of the net, and Primo scores. Another turnover for the Roadrunners. Conrad's shot was blocked, but Mason Primo at the back post nudges it over the line. Silver Knights have a 7-1 lead. Craze will play it back in deep. Two seconds and one, and that'll do it. Laurent Brassois has his first win as a Silver Knight. He stops 29 of 30, and the Silver Knights match their greatest goal-scoring output in franchise history. A five-goal blitz in the third period. They take this one 7-1. And that was last night, which was just uh, all fun and games for the Silver Knights from the start of the third period onward. And again, I think part of the satisfaction level for the Silver Knights, where the only other night this season where they've had anything close to this kind of offensive satisfaction was back on October 15th, the second game of the season, against this same Tucson squad where they put up six at the Dollar Loan Center, and since then, goals have been hard to come by. Silver Knights came into last night's game 32nd in the league, last overall in goals per game. But last night was a a huge correction in that category, but also just getting certain players going, and that's going to be important for the Silver Knights. Zachary Manon with his first goal since October 15th, and uh, he had a three-point night, the first three-point game for a Silver Knight this season. Gage Quinney and Daniil Miramanov now have goals in back-to-back games. 
Jonas Rombjerg on the sheet. All these players that the Silver Knights need to, to get moving offensively. Uh, even players that have been, you know, producing at a steady clip, point here, point there. Nobody's going on long droughts or going completely silent. Again, for a team that's had a hard time scoring in general, the players that you want involved, they've been heard from, but not. Uh, it would be very helpful for the Silver Knights to get a couple of guys rolling, get a couple of guys feeling good about themselves, feeling good with one another, uh, and finding some, you know, being consistently dangerous. And the last two games, it's felt like the Silver Knights are making progress in those directions, especially with Gage Quinney, with Daniil Miramanov. For Quinney, last night's goal from the left faceoff dot, he went right up under the bar over Prosvetov's shoulder. It was a goal scorer's goal. Uh, and that's what they want to see players starting to feel that confidence and that comfort level again. And after last night's game, we caught up with head coach Manny Viveros to ask if his players are starting to find that mesh a little bit on their lines and uh, what it means for his group to produce offensively the way they did. With head coach Manny Viveros, uh, Manny, how was it for you guys tonight, not just to pick up a win, but to have a, an explosive offensive night like you had? Yeah, it, it's nice, uh, you know, when you're able to put that many uh, up on the score sheet uh, tonight. Um, but I thought, you know, we did a lot of things really good tonight, especially on the road. Um, I thought we did a really good job of tracking back tonight. We stayed above the puck uh, whenever we had any turnovers like that. So we didn't really give them a whole lot anywhere. Like, there are uh, very few, if any, odd man rushes. And I think that's that's a good recipe for on the road or in a home at any, any matter. And that's something that earlier in the season it was a big problem with us, giving up a lot of rush chances. And tonight uh, we were really compact and uh, able to come back and support a defenseman. It seemed like a lot of what you guys generated tonight, especially in the third period, was the product of, of forecheck work, whether it be turnovers between the circles or work below the dots. It was it was something that you guys created. No, certainly we wanted to get after them, uh, you know, certainly down low and uh, make sure that we're guys in their proper positions off our forecheck and that. And we, were, we were very tenacious tonight off the puck, and that was a really good uh, good thing for us, too. That's something we want to be. Uh, if there's loose pucks, we want to be first ones on it tonight. And, uh, we, we, you know, we scored some really nice goals, too, tonight. But from the product of, of uh, being in the right positions and, and uh, you know, and doing the right things during that shift that produced those goals. Over the last couple of games now, it feels like we're starting to see some some comfort level in chemistry, whether it be Brisson and Rombjerg and Morozov, Quinney and Rempel. Are guys starting to maybe find a, a, a new comfort level with their line mates? I think so. You know, obviously, you got to have a little bit of chemistry. We're trying, still trying to find that chemistry within our group here. We just had guys in and out of the lineup. You know, Brisson was out earlier with a bit of an injury and just came back again. But we're trying to find that, uh, you know, that right mixture. And, I, and over the last couple of games, or over the last three games, I really like what I've seen so far. It's easy to forget this was a 2-1 game when the third period started. How about uh, Laurent Bressois, especially in the second period? He was solid. He was really solid. He you know, kept us uh, on the road, made some big saves for us, and then you forget about those later on when he starts scoring some, some of those goals. But uh, uh, he was really solid tonight. And it was comforting for us to know if they, they didn't have a chance, he was going to snuff it out. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. And that was head coach May Viveros last night. Again, it is easy to forget that this was a, a 2-1 game at the start of the third period before the Silver Knight offense went up uh, and went off. But but last night, I think, was uh, an indication of, again, we're starting to see things trending. It's a small sample size, but it's, it's early in the season. All sample sizes are a little bit on the small side if you're taking it in week-by-week week bites. But for the Silver Knights, uh, they've gotten three really, really good goaltending outings in a row from three different goaltenders, and that's encouraging. And, and Yuri Patera on uh, Saturday night in Abbotsford was brilliant. He made 43 stops on 45 shots, several of them uh, of the 10-bell variety, including a skate save in the second period on a wide-open Kyle Rao in front. Uh, goal scores for the Abbotsford Canucks that were turned away at point-blank range. A really, 
really good outing for Yuri Patera. No question, his best of the season, and possibly, I'm sure, ranks in the top three of his AHL career thus far. So encouraging for the Silver Knights to get not just good goaltending, but really good goaltending. And, you know, if the Silver Knights, if they needed to win last night 2-1, they could have done so. And that's something that has not always been guaranteed for the Silver Knights this season when they've been a little, uh, goals have been a little bit hard to come by, and we've heard it from Manny Viveros uh, many a time. You know, we're playing good hockey, but we're making one or two mistakes, and that's been the difference. Well, one or two mistakes sometimes in a 2-1 game is a 2-1 loss or a 3-2 loss, and, you know, there hasn't been that margin for error. But the last three games, the Silver Knights goaltending has done everything necessary regardless of margin for error, and that's extremely encouraging. At the same time, the offense and the goal scoring has been there the last couple of nights, and again, last night especially so, in a game where the Roadrunners came a little bit unraveled in the third period. But so much of the offense that the Silver Knights generated was off of power play work. It was the second time this season that they have scored multiple power play goals in the same game, and off of four-check work. And the Silver Knights turned, created so many turnovers in dangerous areas of the ice during last night's third period. There were goals, uh, Jonas Romburg's goal, Mason Primo's goal, those were the results of uh, turnovers by the Roadrunners in the middle of their own zone, in the middle of the ice. You know, cardinal sin turnovers, and the Roadrunners created multiple, but it's because there was so little room for them to move the puck. They could have made wiser decisions or simpler decisions, but they were trying to push the issue to get back in the hockey game and were just uh, walking into mousetraps, basically. On the other side, the hard work below the goal line. Spencer Fu setting up Connor Ford. Uh, the work by Zachary Manninen along the boards that ultimately led to the goal by Brendan Brisson in the first period, which was the first uh, AHL point for Daniel Cheka. Just really good battle work along the boards and with a purpose. It was a purpose of get the puck, get it to the front. Create the turnover, funnel it to the front. Spend more time playing in the dangerous areas of the ice. And you could just really tell there was a, a point of emphasis for the Silver Knights to get off the wall, get out of the corners, get to the middle where dangerous things happen. And they made Ivan Prosotov's night very, very difficult doing just that. We've heard over and over again for the Silver Knights the importance of getting to the front, creating traffic, scoring greasy goals. They did that, and that was good. But for the Silver Knights all over the ice, it was a matter of winning puck battles and move. Winning puck battles, get up ice, create pressure, funnel to the front. Uh, and that's something that uh, you've, you've just been able to notice a rededication to that mindset in the last couple of games, and uh, it, it's uh, exciting to see for the Silver Knights and for Silver Knights fans that that is now yielding results. And with that, with yielding those results, let's also remember that this is a Silver Knights team that our big question mark a, a week ago, 10 days ago, was okay, the Silver Knights are having a hard time winning games. Are they going to reach a point where maybe now adversity becomes a challenge, where they would have one or two things go wrong early in games and it would spiral a little bit away from them, like in ba uh, against Bakersfield, like against San Diego last Tuesday. Well, now we have back-to-back -back games where the Silver Knights uh, gave up a, a power play goal in Abbotsford on Saturday on a, a basically Tristan Nielsen skating through the entire penalty kill, and you say, okay, is that something they're going to be able to bounce back from? They bounced back immediately. They, they found a way to win in Abbotsford. Last night's game that they won 7-1, they were trailing one nothing in the first four and a half minutes. Uh, and on a kind of goal by uh, by Ben McCartney that kind of made you have that feeling of like, uh-oh, is this here we go again. Not the case at all. Less than three minutes later, not only does Daniil Miramanov tie the game, but the Silver Knights again took over the game. So this is a Silver Knights team that is getting the goaltending, scoring goals, but also now showing that bounce-back factor that was missing so much 
in the first four weeks of the season. A lot to be encouraged about last night. It doesn't mean anything if they can't find a way to come out and play a good hockey game tonight, regardless of what the results are, but that's what you start to look for. Trends of things turning, trends of positive uh, positive uh, decision-making and, and results, micro and macro. Last two games for the Silver Knights, very strong. And tonight, when they drop the puck against the Roadrunners here at Tucson Arena again, you know it's going to be a, a thought process of, hey, if we get a split of this four-game trip, we'll take it. That's that's a good road trip in, in two very difficult places to play. But a 3-1 and road trip, boy, would that be a massive feather in the cap for the HSK as they head back to the DLC for Saturday afternoon. We'll hop out, and when we come back, as promised, we spoke with U.S. Olympian Megan Bozak earlier today, and we will catch up with uh, her thoughts on U.S. women's hockey, both the U.S. national team and the landscape for young girls getting into the sport, the history of U.S. and Canada, and the expectations that Silver Knights fans and Vegas hockey fans can have for the rivalry series in mid-December. That's all straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Where is Brian McCormick? Back on HSK today, Brian McCormick here with Silver Knights fans. The top two women's hockey teams in the world will go head-to-head in Henderson this December. The U.S. and Canadian women's national teams will face off at the Dallone Center on December 15th in the rivalry series. Continuing their never-ending battle for international ice hockey supremacy, head online today to thedollarloancenter.com, thedollarloancenter.com, and get your tickets to see the best female players in the world and one of the sport's true great rivalries, U.S. and Canada, December 15th at the DLC. Well, Brian McCormick here with you, and, well, I want to remind you of that uh, upcoming battle between the U.S. and Canadian women's national teams because the rivalry series is underway. The uh, U.S. and Canadian women's national teams are playing five times, five exhibition games, uh, against one another, and the fourth of those five will be at the Dollar Loan Center. But things got started last night in Kelowna, what was a 4-3 shootout win for the U.S. over Canada, uh, and they'll be playing again tomorrow night as well. Uh, but it's going to be a, a lot of fun at the Dollar Loan Center, and not just fun, but also an opportunity to see some of the best in the world. If you think this is, okay, it's a, 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 a friendly exhibition uh, outside the confines of a World Cup or an Olympic uh, season, is, is there going to be anyone there of uh, that that'll be impressive? Uh, the answer is yes. I mean, first of all, they're on the national team. Of course, it's going to be impressive. But in addition to that, uh, looking last night in Kelowna, and and uh, by the way, tomorrow they'll be in Kamloops. November twentieth, they'll be in Seattle. Uh, then they'll be at the DLC on uh, December. The 15th, but looking at some of the names that were available in last night's game between the U.S. and Canada on the Canadian side, Sarah Nurse and uh, Marie Philip Poulin, two of the the bigger names on the Canadian side, and on the U.S. side, Hillary Knight was there, Amanda Kessel was there, Kendall Coyne Schofield was out there. So, you know, th- this is a, all these players are extremely impressive, and there's a combination of you know, the next wave making their way towards uh, what they hope will be uh, Olympic stardom as well as some of the old guard. But 
a lot of star power. A lot of the best of the best have uh, are taking part in this rivalry series, and uh, that's why we want to make sure we found out more about it and gave you all the information as you prepare to uh, get your tickets to see it for yourself on December 15th. And for that reason, we caught up with longtime member of the U.S. national team, Megan Bozak, who is going to be coming out to the Vegas Valley this weekend. She's going to join us on Saturday. She'll be the color commentator on our HSK broadcast uh, on Saturday when the Silver Knights take on the Ontario Reign. Uh, and she'll be doing some VGK broadcast work as well. But Megan Bozak, who has won uh, four gold medals at the World Championships, along with two silvers. She's also been to two Olympics and won two silver medals there as well. Just uh, a wealth of experience and understanding of uh, what USA women's hockey is all about. And we caught up with her earlier today. We're with Megan Bozak of USA Hockey and the U.S. Women's National Team on HSK Today. Megan, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we've got a fun weekend coming up. Uh, for yourself promoting this game. And, of course, we've got a lot of uh, exciting hockey to look forward to in December, including the U.S. women's and the Canadians women's uh, taking on uh, the uh, the rivalry series at the Dollar Loan Center. Uh, and really appreciate you coming on to help us uh, launch the excitement. Uh, first of all, how excited are you for a trip to Vegas that's going to involve a lot of time on air? Hey, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, first off, thanks so much for having me. It's always fun to to talk hockey and especially getting to travel to Vegas um, for the weekend and helping out with the Darrens and then uh, with Henderson on Saturday which will be great. But having Vegas host a rivalry series, I think is just a step in the right direction for women's hockey, just the visibility piece and getting into those new markets. So I'm, I'm hoping that that place will be packed when they play there on the 15th. Well, let's start, first talk about the, what this rivalry series is. There's five games in this series between the U.S. and Canadian women's teams. Uh, the game in Henderson will be the fourth. The first was last night in Kelowna, Team USA, with a 4-3 shootout win over Canada. Um, I, I think when fans think of the international competitions between the U.S. and Canada, your mind goes directly to World Championships, Olympic Games. But this rivalry series, I think, demonstrates that there's not only a lot more hockey between those two teams, but also meaningful hockey uh, during other times of the year. Yeah, I think it's good that we can prepare ourselves with competition and games before the World Championships, before the Olympic Games. Uh, we were used to having one tournament a year. And with four nations now not being a thing anymore, they had to replace it with something. So getting together with Canada, it started as two games and now it's five games. I'm assuming you'll see a few more between, uh, before World Championships in 2023. So I think just the competition and, and like I said before, just having people tune in and watch and, and fall in love with the game and not just say, okay, it's my one time for the year to tune in to, to really focus on the women's game. So giving us more opportunity, more chances to play at the highest level in the world. And I think for any fans who are looking at this game on the calendar, thinking, oh, that'll be neat. This is coming to Henderson. Uh, it'll be almost like, uh, you know, we see international friendlies in other sports. In a sense, it's, I suppose it's friendly in the sense that it's, it's exhibition. But looking at the roster last night in Kelowna on the U.S. side, Hillary Knight, Amanda Kessel, uh, Kendall Schofield, Marie Philippou, and on the Canadian side, like this isn't a, a, a series where the big names are, are taking days off. Like this, these are pretty loaded rosters we saw last night in Kelowna. They are. And uh, I know both teams have college girls that aren't able to go to rivalry series due to their own schedules. 
but the majority of the players and all of the postgrads that have been selected are there. So it's it's some of the best hockey that that you'll watch and it's fun that we're able to showcase it and now going to the dollar loan center it, it'll just be a, a good experience a good atmosphere um i haven't yet been to a vegas game but i i've heard it's quite the event so um to say that you can play hockey and, and play against and watch the best two teams in the world on the women's side in vegas um it's just incredible to be honest it, it's a fun new city and, and i'm hoping they really embrace it um how we've embraced every other city that we've gone to we're with us olympian megan bozak megan I, I wonder if you'd even give us a little more perspective on that dynamic of, of us canada because perhaps more than any other sport there's plenty of women's talent around the world and it's growing but it still seems that it's us and canada at the end in every international competition clash of the titans and every single time it's a classic. What is it like to be a part of that and to have played in Olympic and World Championship games where it is the two best teams going at it and throughout the entire tournament, you kind of know that's where it's going to end up. Yeah, it's crazy that you really think um, training for an Olympics, you pretty much train for one game and it it can go your way. It, it cannot go your way, but um, I think the training piece to say that you are playing Team Canada, the rivalry is as heated and as heavy as ever. Um, it's just great hockey. It's fast. It's physical. Yeah, we don't have the fully open ice hits that the that the men do, but um, I would say at points, it's a faster game. And at points in the corners along the boards, it's a more physical game as well. So being part of the rivalry um, and every single time that you're able to put on that jersey is something that you don't want to take for granted, but um, all friendships off for the 60 minutes that you're playing uh, Team Canada that day. But it just keeps getting better and better with the competition getting um, better and better throughout the world as well. It's, it's also fun to play Team Finland, to play Switzerland. Um, but there's nothing that compares to putting on that jersey ready to to go to battle with your teammates to play Team Canada. We're talking to U.S. Olympian Megan Bozak. Megan, you, you mentioned there you don't have the uh, the big open ice hits necessarily. You're a defenseman. I wonder, do you have to hold up sometimes? I mean, every now and then there's got to be someone crossing a, a, coming across the middle that you want to step up on. Yeah, uh, there, there's a few times and a few suspect passes that I've given in my in my career to forwards <laughs> that have probably been on the other end of almost getting completely knocked out, but. Uh, it's it just, you get used to what kind of game you can play, what kind of style you can play. And, and I think that's what makes our sport so special. It's it's delicate at times, but also so physical, so rough um, around the edges. But yes, being a defenseman and when you see this perfect opportunity, you wish a little bit that um, there would be a little bit more body checking. But a league in Sweden actually just implemented body checking for women. So I'm anxious to see if that catches on um, throughout the world. Is that something in the women's game or they're adding in Sweden? So it's obviously a point of discussion, but do certain players in the women's game wish there maybe was a little bit more physicality? Is that, has that been a point of discussion? Um, not throughout our group. Um, I think it's as physical as it can be. Sure. Um, and it's something that you, you're used to training with, um, with and against. 
So I haven't really heard it being a topic of um, a topic of discussion or contention for that matter, but I wouldn't be surprised if other leagues try to implement it uh, just to, I, I think, see how it goes. But I also don't want it to take away from uh, what our game can really showcase with the speed, the physicality, um, and just the battle and the heart that we put in every single game. With Megan Bozek, uh, U.S. Olympian, you mentioned the uh, the relationships both within the Team USA group, but also again U.S. and Canada going at all the time and a lot of the same names. What is the the sorority like? I, I suppose amongst players, sometimes we see rivalries. At, years later, the ESPN just came out with a documentary on the Avalanche and Red Wings, and after all those years of clashing, how do they relate to each other now? What is the uh, the club like amongst players of, of both teams uh, who have been in this battle for years? Yeah, I, I think playing with a lot of the Canadian players, uh, especially for myself, I live right outside of the Toronto area. So training with a lot of the Team Canada girls. Is, but then when we play against each other, it's all friendships off. It's all um, you pretty much don't know those those people for, the, for those 60 minutes. But now playing um, in the PWHPA, you're training with um, the U.S. and the Canada girls together. You're playing on the same line as as some of them. Um, some of the girls played together last weekend, and now they just have a rivalry series this week. So uh, I think learning how to to switch that on and switch that off, but I think that's what makes our rivalry so special is we can train together. We can um, help make each other better, just like the NHL uh, before they go into international competitions. But knowing what to expect um, going into those into those rivalry games, it is really important. So training how you know you can put your best foot forward, but um, also respecting the fact that we are trying to fight for for something bigger. So training together, playing together is, is the first step of that. With Megan Bozek, U.S. Olympian, and also getting ready for the December 15th rivalry series game between U.S. and Canada women's team at the Dollar Loan Center. You started playing for the U.S. national team, if I'm not mistaken, during the 2008 and 09 season with the U18 team, and that would go on to World Championships and Olympics. What was the journey like for you, uh, and what was the the women's hockey landscape like when you were younger to go from playing local hockey to having national opportunities? I actually grew up playing boys hockey, and eighth grade was my first year of girls, so I did get a year of checking under my belt so switching <laughs> switching to the girls game I, I think i took a lot more penalty minutes than i should have my my first year but um it was it was growing and it was fun i had to play a few years up um just with with better competition and, and fit my level a bit more um but just to see the growth of where i've started and where the women's game started and where it is now is is remarkable um, I'm so happy and I'm so fortunate to be a part of, of this growing landscape. And, uh, in 2008, I put my first USA Jersey on and actually got cut from the U18 team that year. And right away, I'm like, my career is done. I will never play for USA again. Um, but I got another opportunity in 2009 and made the U18 team in 2009. And throughout that, then trying out for teams, maybe not making it. And then making my first senior women's team in 2012 was really, really special because we hosted world championships in Vermont. So a home crowd, um, just something indescribable and something I'll never forget. 
and then making my first Olympic team in 2014, um, getting cut from world championships in 2015, getting cut from the Olympic team in 2018, um, and then making every team since that time to play in the 2022 Olympic Games. So um, my path has been, I don't want to say unconventional, but uh, a roller coaster ride to say the least, but I've never lost faith in my abilities, my capabilities, um, my passion and love for the game. And I think that's what took me to be able to say I played a second Olympics eight years after I played in my first. So um, every path is different for everyone, but learning those lessons throughout hockey of managing the stress of and the disappointment of getting cut, but also being able to make a team the next year and, and setting new goals, setting new dreams and um, creating a new pathway for that, I think has helped me uh, post hockey career now, uh, just with jobs and in the real world and navigating what's next. I think that is something that fans probably don't realize is that they say, okay, that's the U.S. national team and that's the U.S. national team. But you guys throughout your entire career constantly competing, constantly climbing the ladder. It's it's uh, a year by year battle to be among the best. And I, don't, I, I think fans probably just assume that the team just stays intact, but you're always working to get better. Yeah, and, and may not realize too that we have tryouts uh, probably three times a year to make different teams. So uh, rivalry series, there's world championships. Um, there's constant camps, constant tryouts. So it's a never end, it's a full-time job. And, and we have to treat it as such. What is your favorite uh, USA hockey moment for yourself personally? That's a tough question. There's a lot. Um, every every game or every tournament um, has a special meaning, but I, I think a full circle moment for me, um, making my, my first Olympic team, but going to Sochi, Russia and the first game you run out on the ice, you're nervous, you're anxious, you are feeling every single emotion that you didn't even know you could feel at the same time. And running onto the ice, I saw my mom, my dad, and both of my brothers. And you realize that you can't get there without support of others. And those four are the reason that, that I got there from the sacrifices of my parents, even the sacrifices of my brothers. And the reason I started playing hockey was because of them. So um that's one of my favorite moments just realizing that it's a group effort i made the team because of them so we all made the team um so that was that was pretty special but uh i think winning world championships obviously uh is really exciting in its own but winning in 2013 in ottawa was was pretty fun in front of a, a sold out crowd um, on Canadian soil and being able to win that tournament was was pretty special. Bragging rights always feel better, especially in this rivalry, I'm sure. And you have two Olympic silver medals. You have four uh, gold medals at the World Championships, two silvers there as well. You've had a, a very highly decorated career. But as you mentioned, you got back uh, to the Olympics this past this past Olympics in 2022, uh, certainly an unorthodox Olympics for everybody involved. What was that experience like, uh, you know, enjoying the the prestige of it, but also the, the mitigating circumstances? I'm very fortunate that I've had another Olympics to base my experience off of. 
uh, because it was just unlike anything I could have expected, I could have imagined. Um, but you really had to take it and embrace it. We got to go to a lot of events, um, minus the COVID testing every single day and the the worry and the stress of of that. Uh, not seeing fans was tough. Not sharing in those moments with, excuse me, the people that wanted to be there, the people, like I said, that have supported you um, from near, from far. But we really just had to embrace it. So I, I think just supporting the other athletes, going to um, long track speed skating, we went to Big Air, which was absolutely incredible. Um, the men's hockey games. We went to figure skating. We we really made the best of our time there um, and enjoyed it. You're not guaranteed in, uh, in Olympic Games, let alone um, trying to make two or three or for some for some of the girls four. So uh, just enjoying those moments and, and looking back and saying, I spent a month at the Olympics with with some of my best friends, with my teammates competing for my country. There's no greater honor. We're with Olympian Megan Bozak, and you mentioned you're at a point in your career now. Now you're looking towards the the growth of the uh, the women's game, and I think that the U.S. women's team has had so many great defining moments over the course of the last. I'm I'm 33. Over the course of the last 20 years, I can think of of numerous. And 2018, the the Lamaru shootout winner uh, over Team Canada against so many of those moments are U.S. Canada juxtaposed, but it's kind of helped fuel the uh, the growth of the youth girls game and especially in Vegas we can speak to that where, where do you see the uh, the advancement for youth hockey for girls uh, across the country I think looking at girls even that sign up through the USA hockey program and, and for sure the same for hockey Canada um, the growth amongst girls is I'm assuming much higher than the boys um, but keeping the girls engaged I think is where it's lacking um, so giving them more opportunity after they try out hockey for the first time to have a team, have an organization, find a group that they really feel like they belong in, that they want to play in. Um, but the growth, like you said, in the last 10 to 15 years has been astronomical. And now with uh, the PWHPA in their presence and in, in trying to fight for something bigger and better and sustainable so that these girls that are looking up to us as role models have that dream, have that goal of saying, I want to be like them one day. And they may not make a USA team. They might may not make um, a college team, but setting those goals, setting those dreams, um, we've all had, we've all had them. And being able to have them say, this is my goal. This is my dream. Uh, that's what we're really fighting for. So we may not see the the benefit, like we may not reap the benefits of of what we're trying to to ask for and trying to fight for. But the little girls that come watch us at practice and say, "I just I want to be like you when I grow up," um, that's the reason we do what we do. And as we talk about the expanding footprint for women, and not just the women's game, but hockey overall, we're seeing more women on air as well. AJ Maletsko, we see very often on national broadcast. Jennifer Botterill, again to get both sides of this rivalry, um, but that's. Uh, a feel that you're maybe interested in transitioning to as well as perhaps getting uh, on the headset too. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to to try this out with, with Vegas call with uh, Darren Millard and Darren Elliott on the weekend. And then obviously 
helping helping you with the Anderson game on Saturday. I think it's it's good to get a feel for what really happens when you're not playing. And I, I still love the game. I still want to be involved in the game. So um, trying to find what it is I really want to focus my career on. So I, I think I'll learn a lot this weekend. But I, with the conversations I've had and, and I'm having right now, I feel like I'm in really good hands with Vegas. Well, we're thrilled to have you. It's going to be a lot of fun, Megan. I, I got to ask, you know, you've been training for hockey your whole life. That's been your, your focus. And you know how to prepare yourself for a hockey game down on event level. Uh, what have you been doing to prepare for your uh, your broadcasting debuts this weekend? Have you been spending a lot of time in the mirror? Or? Yeah, I. Um, that's a loaded question. There's a yeah. lot to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. It's kind of fun because I don't really have any expectations. Um, of course, I'm nervous. Of course, all of that. Um, but I feel like once I start, I'll get comfortable. And um, like you said, I've played hockey my whole life. So talking about hockey can't be can't be too hard since that's what I've spent the last 31 years doing. So um, I, I'm just really looking forward for the the opportunity and really getting a new viewpoint of the game. Well, again, that's going to be the good thing Saturday is there's no way I'm going to ask you any questions you're not going to know the answers to. So you'll be ready to go as Megan Bozak, U.S. Olympian, will join us on the Silver Knights broadcast for the first two periods on Saturday when the Silver Knights take on the Ontario Reign. Megan, just one more before we let you go. Again, this rivalry series game is going to be on December the 15th. And I think we've spoken plenty about how uh, great these head-to-heads always are, how spirited they are, how great moments and memories come from these U.S.-Canada games. But also for fans, again, this isn't a World Championships. This isn't an Olympic Games. This is a rivalry series with five stops across the country. I think for fans, they should also embrace the fact that this is somewhat new, the fact that there is an opportunity like this coming to their town to see the best players in the world. This is an opportunity the fans should embrace. Oh, absolutely. And if you've never watched a women's game, go to this game. If you can't make the game, watch it. Um, I promise that your investment with your time, um, with your money, if you choose to go to the game, will be well worth it. And I think you'll become a fan. Um, There's a lot of, uh, so to speak, stereotypes and whatnot, but give yourself the benefit of investing in this game because you will not be disappointed. Well, Megan, we're looking forward to the 15th, but before that, we're looking forward to this weekend and getting to hang out with you in person and talk some hockey. I'm going to let you go so you can get to the airport to make sure you actually get here. But thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you this weekend. Thank you so much. And that was Megan Bozak. And again, she'll be with us on the broadcast Saturday when the Silver Knights take on the Ontario Reign. That game, U.S. and Canada, is on December 15th. The Silver Knights play the 14th, 16th, and 17th. They just show up to the rink with a sleeping bag and stay at the Sam and Ash and Bowman throughout the entire weekend. We'll hop out. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up on this edition of HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 of the game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Well, a jam-packed show today on HSK Today, so much so that we've got no time left. But I want to remind you all that this Saturday, the Silver Knights are back home to face the Ontario Reign. It will be Military Appreciation Night, presented by Sunshine Minting. The first 3,500 fans will receive a lucky shilling, courtesy of Sunshine Minting. Silver Knights will wear military-themed novel jerseys that will be made available 
for per, to, I believe for bid online, auction online, fanfame the HSK Foundation. Follow HSK Social for details. That'll do it. Special thanks to Megan Bozak. We'll see you tonight for Silver Knights Hockey on 12.30 of the game, 5 p.m. pregame. Have a good one, everybody.